Once upon a time, in a faraway land, I woke up and realized I am going to be a dentist. <laughs> Said like no one ever. These are the real stories, not fairy tales, as we go behind the smiles. This is a podcast where we interview and chat with some of the biggest leaders in dentistry, learn their stories, and share their motivation with your host, Dr. Gina Dorfman. Today's podcast is brought to you by Yappy, an automated paperless software for dentists and their teams. Learn more at yappyapp.com. This podcast episode is a special two-part feature. You're currently listening to part one. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Smiles. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Dave Maloli. Dr. Maloli is a graduate of the University of Nebraska College of Dentistry. He served as a dental officer in the U.S. Army for five years. While in the military, he was stationed abroad in Germany and Italy. After he returned to the U.S., he moved to Vail, Colorado to start Vail Valley Dental Care in 2009. He is the co-author of Titans of Dentistry, the host of the Relentless Dentist Podcast, and a certified high-performance coach. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you today? Oh, awesome. It's always fun to spend time with you, Gina. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So, you know, I have to start out by saying that it's a huge honor for me to have you on the show, not only because you are just an incredible a human being and, and wealth of wisdom, but also because you are one of the first dental podcasters. You're a podcast, The Relentless Dentist, has been around for five years, almost yeah. almost uh, going on a six year, right? right? Yeah, it seems hard to believe, but... Uh... I, I know, I know. Well, what motivated you to start the podcast in the first place? Um. I was gaining so much from podcasts at the time. Um, I love marketing was really influential for me. One, because I don't think I understood marketing, but I understood enough that my practice was going to continue to struggle if I didn't make the phone ring. So um, my back was against the wall. And anytime your back is against the wall, you get more resourceful. And so that was a a blessing. And the, the podcast that I wanted for myself wasn't available. And I feel like that's something in our DNA as entrepreneurs is if it's not available, we want it. And not only do we want it for ourselves, we want it for other people. So I think that was the driving force. I was inspired by um, I Love Marketing podcast. But really, at the time, I was reading a fair amount of Tim Ferriss. And I read a book called The Flinch that was about fear and how we deal with fear. And the message again and again was the thing that you most need to fear that you, that you fear is probably the thing you should be doing. And um, I was probably the most bashful person in my dental school class, just <laughs> wanted to remain anonymous, would never raise my hand for anything. And looking, contacting the people that I truly admired was literally the scariest thing I could think of. And then spending 30 minutes, you know, uh, engaging them um, was really scary for me. It wasn't my personality, but um, all that kind of led to an entrepreneurial seizure and saying, okay, what the hell, let's do it. And um, it's changed everything for me. The contacts, the network, the, being able to build real friendships with amazing people, um, not to mention the impact that I think the podcast has, um, has changed everything for me. So, so glad that I leaned into that and that fear at that time, which would have been like six years ago. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm a listener of your podcast and I have to tell you that I've learned a lot and I've been inspired so many times. And I think really, you know, your 
um, the content and the kind of people that you have on your show is um, is really truly life changing. And in fact, whenever I talk to someone who is maybe in a tough place in their career, um, I always recommend your podcast as, oh, as almost like the remedy. And, <laughs> and 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 I think you truly you created something just like I've you know when I created my software or I co-created my software. It was something that I felt I, I badly needed in my practice. And, and you kind of scratched your own itch there. And, and yeah. uh, along the line, you helped um, a lot of people. Let's talk a little bit about your journey in dentistry. I know you originally were thinking about going into athletic medicine. Yeah. What happened? How, how did the change uh, come about? And, and uh, are you happy with your choice? Yeah, it's, it was an interesting evolution because I remember specifically in high school watching an NFL football game on a Sunday and watching two trainers run out on the field to, to help an injured athlete, and I was like, that's it. And so that immediately became my career pursuit. Um, I worked for some really high-level pro uh, football teams, national championship football teams at the University of Nebraska, but in that, uh, growing up on a, on, a, on a farm, it was like a very workaholic culture. Um, and, you know, things like vacationing and golf were seen as like lazy activities and you know, it wasn't something that you esteemed to do. In fact, you'd almost get mocked if people saw you cutting out in the middle of the day. And I saw almost the same thing in athletic medicine. Huge impact that you have on athletes, huge amount of connection you have with them, because sometimes you're the go-between between the coaches and the athletes, for better or worse, depending right. on that culture. Um, but I saw these guys that were married to their jobs and weren't spending a whole lot of time with their families. And so after two years of being an intern there, I started to look around and uh, kind of a serendipitous conversation I had with a man that changed my path. He was the uh, dentist, team dentist for the basketball team that I was working with at the time. And I just shared with him my thoughts like, this is what I'm thinking. I feel kind of stuck. And he invited me into his office. Um, and literally in an hour said, this is what I think dentistry provides for somebody that makes it a career pursuit. This is what you have to invest. And I went home and I called my mom and said, I'm going to become a dentist. So I tend <laughs> to make decisions very slowly and then it becomes a snap. Um, but it was very apparent to me that that was the right path. Um, he incidentally was the director of admissions of the University of Nebraska. So I think um, that had something to do with me actually being able to become a dentist more than <laughs> intention. Um, but that changed my world forever. And I've been, you know, deeply engaged in the profession and seen to answer your question. Do I, do I like it? I think I can think of no other profession that provides the opportunities that dentists do dentistry does. And it kind of breaks my heart when I talk to young dentists and they feel like this doom and gloom and all the challenges, certainly they're there, but like there's a golden ticket. You and I have a lot of mutual friends and you see them go not clinical, heavy and clinical, some sort of merge, but, Right. They're able to create a life that they want and to make the same income, I would have to probably be a high level CEO working 80, 90 hour weeks. And again, would be on a path where I didn't have a relationship with my wife and kids. And so to have the ability to be an entrepreneur, help people get out of pain, give them more confidence, be a leader in a practice, being an entrepreneur and, and control your own destiny. There might be something else out there, but I, I, I haven't run across it. It's really amazing uh, opportunity that we have once we get that golden ticket, which is a dental license. 
Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. I love everything you just said. And I want to talk about all those things, but first, what advice would you give to a young dentist, uh, maybe someone who's graduating from dental school or maybe trying to find their first associateship or second associateship? Um, I do see a lot of doom and gloom and, um, you know, I just talked to Mike Ling about this not too long ago. It seems that sometimes doom and gloom comes from maybe personality, maybe hanging out with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. But how do you get out of this? What would you, what advice would you give to a young dentist? Um, I think it goes hand in hand. One would be play the long game. You have, if you're a young dentist, you have time on your side. And so if you can just upward trend, the, the compound effect of that over one and two decades is extreme. So if you're looking for an immediate cash in, I think that's one of the, speaking to a fair amount of dental groups, I see that it's like, hey, Dr. Maloli, tell me how you went work three days. And I, I'm like, well, can I tell you the story about when I served the army for five years? Can I tell the story when I went in every day for a month in October, seeing emergencies? So, um, you know, that that's 15 years in the making. And so I can't tell you that story. Um, without some stories of hardship and challenge, but playing the long game goes hand in hand with clarity. And I think the more I talk with dentists, the more they get stuck in the how. And I understand that because that's how we learn. We're very procedure based. We want to know the right technique. We want to know the instrumentation. We want to know the materials. Life and business is a different skill set. And um, sometimes to see the seventh step, you have to first be at the sixth step (laughs) um, to not engage in that process is very detrimental to a career. And most people are very clear at the beginning of when they apply to dental dentistry, it seems like. So if they're across the table from an admissions committee, I think they know what they want and why they want it. And then that gets clouded because this entity will say, well, you, you have so much debt, you have to go this path. And that may be, the right first step, but it probably isn't going to be what you, the game you want to play. And so just like most matters of the heart, it's really difficult to explain, but you know, when it's right for you and you know, when it's not right for you. And sometimes you have to engage in an opportunity to realize like, no, this isn't it. And then you, you correct path. But the, the advice I would give is know specifically what you want. Second, know why you want it. Um, if it's, Money that you're pursuing, that has limited benefit. Certainly, I think um, a career in dentistry should be lucrative, but that as the sole purpose has very uh, diminishing returns, let's say. Uh, The third thing I would say is know who you have to become to get it. My biggest error in my career was that I tried to have more by doing more. But once you start focusing on your capacities to lead and delegate and um, be influential and persuasive, um, then you, you realize that you have to become a higher version of yourself. There's a, when I speak, I show a, a picture of Jeff Bezos when he started Amazon. And now <laughs> he start, when, he, when he started, he looked like this little nerdy introverted guy with a book. He's like, I sell books, right? You look at him now and he's the richest man in the world. He dresses like the richest man in the world. He's got, he's kind of fit and wear sunglasses and those two guys wouldn't hang out, but to be able to run Amazon, he had to become a series of different Jeffs. And that's what I see dentists getting stuck. They get stuck in the how, and a lot of times it's in the why and the who. Um, And that's a two hour discussion, but 
at an entry level, I think that's where people get tripped up and they let somebody else hijack their vision, whether that be a corporate entity telling them that they can't own or they shouldn't own. Um, there, there's sometimes it's from your own spouse. Sometimes it's from dental students who think that this is the right path. But in 2018, 2019, moving forward, I think safe is really risky. And so if you want the 20 year career path paved by somebody else, um, you're probably going to find the end of the road fairly quickly, not to mention sell your soul in the process. So I think that's a really, that clarity process is pays dividends again and again. I love what you just said. Absolutely. Clarity, whether it's in leadership and a practice, whether it's, you know, leading your own life, uh, clarity is a must. How do we find our why? I mean, how do we embark on that process? I know you've done some soul searching and, um, and that process is necessary, but how, how do we start? Um, awesome question. I think one, you have to dispel some myths. I think there's, there's books and there's movies and things like that where people get this flash of insight, like this bolt of lightning and they figured out their purpose. And now all of a sudden their life was on autopilot and it's fulfilling. That has not been my experience. (laughs) Clarity is a process and like leadership, like clinical mastery, you're never quite there. So there's always ways to sharpen that. Um, meditation and journaling, journaling certainly serve me now, but I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, um, in undergrad, I ran across a book called seven habits of highly effective people. Um, I was a deadbeat undergrad student. I drank a lot of beer. I put on a lot of weight. I ate a lot of late night pizza. I dropped a lot of class and that there was a clarity exercise in there that shifted me completely. And it was a eulogy exercise, understanding that um, we're all terminal. <laughs> we don't know when we'll go and understanding what, what that, what people might say, say a colleague, a family member, a friend at that final day. Once you have real clear, when I talk in long game, I'm talking the ultimate long game. Once you're really clear there, then you can start to reverse engineer and say, these are the times where I want to sacrifice. And these are the times that I don't want to compromise. To me, the process always has to start with that. And that's may sound morbid, but that's the reality of the game. And it, I think it adds another level of courage to go after what you want when you realize like, hey, tomorrow's not guaranteed. I might live to be 124, but I also might expire in 10 years. And so the balance between those two games gets really clear when you realize that your demise is coming and that you can somewhat control the outcomes, the legacy, the impact that you have by the choices that you make uh, in the near term. That's excellent. You were talking about um, your legacy, what you would like your legacy to be in your uh, book, in your chapter in your book, uh, The Titans of Dentistry. And you mentioned that your, uh, what you would like your legacy to be is to be remembered as someone who helped dentists um, find the courage to live their epic life. Why courage? Why do, why do we not have courage to live our epic life? Um, I think we're socialized against it. Um, I think we become by default a law of averages and we give up who we are. Um, I know the number one regret, regret of the dying is I wish I would have lived a life true to myself as, as opposed to a life that others expected of me. So I know that most of our paths are not this fulfillment epic life path. Um, people tell you it can't be done. People tell you it shouldn't be done. People tell you it's too risky. And I do a lot of coaching one-on-one and in groups. 
And again and again and again with dentists, when they get really clear, when they figure out all this sort of stuff, the hiccup is fear. And my belief with dentists is that we're trained to be risk averse because being a maverick, a cowboy does not pay dividends generally in clinical dentistry. But again, what makes you a really good clinical dentist may make you a horrible leader and a (laughs) a business person. So um, it's almost like I one time saw a, um, a one-man play. It was Patrick Stewart did The Christmas Carol in London. And he jumped from character to character. Tiny Tim, Bob Cratchit, Scrooge. And that's what I think a dentist's job is. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like, I am no longer a dentist. I am a dad. Okay, I'm no longer a dad. I'm a leader of a, of a business. And to be able to switch roles with elegance like he did on the stage is very difficult to do because you can lose your identity in that. But the more you embrace that, to be good at a clinical dentist, well, then I may also have to be a good marketer. And being a good marketer sometimes means sticking out from the crowd. In fact, it usually does. And it also means I don't care what my competitor thinks of my ads or my offer or how I'm building my practice. And that is not the norm behavior of a dentist. And so just appreciating that you have to pay the price to win the prize, and that's usually on the far side of what you fear, I think is a really important step. And um, sometimes you need a community because it's really easy to get complacent in the workaday life, especially when you're, you're comfortable and, you know, you get your couple vacations a year, you work your four day week, but there's more out there. And I think it's usually calling to you, but it's this shutdown, maybe tomorrow denial stuff that we do that all of a sudden it's two decades later. It's like, what the hell have I done? I've just, you know, I'm a prisoner in the at a prison of my own making, which is my dental practice. Wow, you, you know, so true. And as you were talking, I started to think of some dentists that um, I know that are fantastic clinicians that have the ambition, and yet they just got comfortable. You know, they 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 got comfortable. They they're and and it's exactly what you described. They're working four days a week. They have the cash flow. The practice is, you know, coasting. And, you know, they go home, they go to work, they go on vacation, they spend time with the kids, and all of that is great. But um, I wonder if somewhere down the road, they're going to be regretting not taking um, advantage of the opportunities just to experience, not for money, not for more free time, but really just to experience um, growth and and greatness and, and all of the fun that comes with it. You, you mentioned purpose before, and I've done a ton of, I really took a deep dive in the last couple of years of fi- figuring out like what makes people fulfilled. I was very achievement oriented for most of my life. And uh, again, like it fills you up to a degree, but it's always this, like I crossed the finish line. It's not what I thought it would be. You feel like, God, is this all there is? And the common denominator that I see again and again and again, and I'm, I'm not an expert to say like, this is an absolute, but the theme that you'll see again and again and again is growth and contribution is fulfillment. And um, that is not the path that I see most dentists on. And if I'm, if I can steer them onto that, because it, you have to step outside your comfort zone by default to grow. Um, right. And it's, when I, when I'm coaching somebody until somebody can get a more refined purpose, I just subscribe that. I just prescribe that to them. Your, 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 your purpose is to expand until we get more detail, just assume right. that your purpose is to expand because continually that's the most fulfillment. You see these people retiring 
and they had a reason to get up in the morning. And then all of a sudden they kind of wither away because they lost their purpose. They lost their ability to grow and contribute. And so sometimes you can learn as much from the people doing it wrong as you can the people doing it right. And um, I think growth is, it has to be built into your life systems. Otherwise you feel like this kind of treadmill effect that we keep referring to. Absolutely. And, you know, I, we talked about courage a little bit and, and, you know, I think you need courage because you know that sometimes getting to where you want to, to living that epic life comes with a long windy uh, path and, and, um, and there are mistakes and there's going to be pain and hurt and hard work and sweat and tears and all that good stuff. And, and I know that, you know, I've, I know your story and I know you had a, um, a long journey getting to where you're at. I don't know if this is something that you want to share right now. Happy to anytime. Yeah, please do. Okay. Um, well, I mentioned that I was in the army for five years, incredible experience. You can imagine for a Nebraska farm boy who lived in this, I, I literally grew up in Nebraska, went to undergrad in Nebraska, went to dental school in Nebraska. I love that upbringing, but it created a very limited scope on what life and what the world has to offer. Um, and then I was I was assigned to Europe, which seemed like literally I was being sent to another planet. <laughs> and, um, I was scared of everything. I was scared of the language. I was scared of the food. Um, I was scared of the Audubon. Like I was scared of everything. I want to interrupt you for a second. I, I uh, believe that your grandfather was a medic in the army and he was in Germany. Was there, yeah. was that an inspiration to join the army or was there more? Um, my father was also in the army. And um, if I could be really honest, um, a couple of my uncles passed away at young ages from heart conditions and they had military rights with the, with the flag over their casket. And when I did that eulogy exercise in, in um, dental school, I wrote or an undergrad that al- allowed me a path to actually become a good enough student to get into dental school. I wrote on there that at the end of my days, I wanted a flag over my casket. So I just wanted to be wow. able to say I served my country and that was part of my journey. I didn't know how I would get there. And I certainly didn't know that it'd be through dentistry. Um, but yeah, it makes me, uh, makes me proud and happy to say that my dad served and my grandfather served. We call it dent- Dental Corps Army Light. So Medic and World War II and Army Dentists were worlds apart, um, but we still wore the uniform and wore the flag. And it, it uh, yeah, I think it had some influence on it. Yeah. Thank you for your service. Yeah, thank you. So from, from that experience, um, at the same time, you can maybe even see it over my shoulder. I've got, this is kind of my wall of fame of books that have impacted me. This column over here is all Tim Ferriss books. Oh, Wow. And I was in Europe and he described the four hour work week, which is a little bit of a farce if you've read the book, but he also explained delayed life plan and lifestyle design. And that's when I really started to click to me, like I can organize this in a way where I can work really hard and get what I want, but also have the time freedom to travel the world because now I became addicted to Italian food and driving on the Autobahn. Um, and I, you know, to, to see the mind blows of the Egyptian pyramids and, go to Christmas mass at Westminster Abbey in London, like just like totally set my world on fire. And so I wanted more of that experience, but my army career came to an end. And then we ended up in North Carolina. Um, The American dream, Karen and I both had really good jobs. We were making good money. We had three cars for two people. We had a beautiful house, a white picket fence. We can walk to the wine bar on the weekend and we hated it. 
and um it was like all the trappings but none it was never we were never clear on what we wanted so we just went for income and so that we found out that was broken and that ended up being more of a culture shock than going to europe was actually coming back to the american dream (laughs) and so we bailed um in 2009 i uh, came across this little dusty building in avon colorado that happens to be where i practice now and um it reminded me so much of europe i could tell the people here celebrated life certainly you have to work hard to support the lifestyle here but there's a lot of hiking, biking, people are healthy, people are happy, they enjoy fine wine and um, all the things that I enjoyed in Europe. And literally in a day, I was like, this is it. Um, didn't do the proper demographic research, all the things that I would now encourage a startup dentist to do. But I was, quick driven, start. I was driven, I was driven, yeah, quick start nine. <laughs> I was driven by the vision. And that's the thing I got right was that I stayed true to my vision and what I really wanted. And I knew that if I went to another bought another more secure practice that it would just be the 10 year plan to eventually get here. So we decided to go for it. And um, with that came uh, um, another mouth to feed. We found out Kara was pregnant, (laughs) emerging cash, um, not a a quick startup, expensive cost of living. So lots of financial challenges, which ended up being a blessing because I learned marketing. I learned how to grow a sustainable business in difficult times, um, which means I can do it again. So now businesses challenge don't really, um, they don't really phase me as much because I know I have the, the, the ability, the knowledge, the skill set to, to move past challenges. And it taught me to be a smart business owner because I couldn't just wing it and, you know, get a decent paycheck. Um, but about three, three years into that, I found my wife face down on her laptop computer, and that was the biggest shift for me. I went from an achievement entrepreneur to understanding that these things that I kind of knew, and then I really knew that life is short. And um, she, we almost lost her that, that um, those first 24 hours. She had a, a dissection in her internal carotid artery. And um, the thoughts of like being a single father with a business um, shook me, and it would anyone, right, to, to not yeah. know to sit by your wife's bedside and not know if she's going to wake up tomorrow is incredibly difficult. And I can't imagine going through something like this. Yeah. It's yeah. It's still hard to talk about it, but I'm happy to talk about it because I think it can provide insights for people. So they don't have to have that like near death experience or near death experience for someone inside them to know, like this can happen, right? This can happen. We, we all know colleagues that, maybe took their own life or ended up on a bad path and it's all preventable if you stay true to the vision and you get keep your keep your priorities in check and that's the thing I didn't have at the time I said I was a family man but I, and I said I was all doing all this to support my family well they don't look at they don't look at my bank account they look at how much time and attention that I'm spending with them and so quarterly vacations became a lot more important and re-engineering this enterprise that I had so that it served not just me and my ambitions, it served our family, see the team members, that was all shifted in that moment. Um, uh, That's now five years ago, but ends up being a driving force for me and making sure that I'm staying true and not, again, just like puffing my chest up and talking about how much I collected last month. To me, it's a lot more than that. And I've learned it the hard way twice. I learned it in North Carolina and I learned it through the building this practice up over you know i just passed the nine year mark the last three have been incredible the first five was a school of hard knocks that allows me to 
kind of speak with authority about this is what to do and this is what not to do. 